Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the episode phone. Episode 23 of Podcast in South America. The Air Force Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, April 20th. Insert your own commentary here. 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for a fun episode, Wednesday episode, midweek episode of the Eritrea Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We're going to lead the show with something that we do a lot this time of year. We're going to go ahead and grade the college basketball coaching hires in total. If my math is correct, 13 power conference jobs open including six in the sec we did a big sec recap a few weeks ago today we go through all 13 very quickly let you know what hires i liked what i didn't give them a grade which ones work which ones don't all that good stuff from there we will do our weekly kind of update on the portal today we have some high school news and notes uh some interesting portal stuff obviously andre curbello has committed since we last spoke uh, Tyrese Hunter, really talented player, has entered the portal. And oh, by the way, a high school commitment for my boy Mike Woodson in Indiana. So we'll discuss all that. We'll come back. We'll wrap the show with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Really fun edition of the show today. Uh, and really fun edition of where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Because I'm going to hit on a lot of different topics. We'll talk a little bit about Kyrie. We'll talk a little bit about Nick Saban, Steve Sarkeesian. A lot of really fun topics in where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. That, of course, to wrap the show. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, it's the college basketball coaching carousel. And the college basketball coaching carousel, to me, is really interesting because it's so different than the college football coaching carousel that we get in December. The college football coaching carousel, all those kind of hirings and firings, they happen uh, right after the conference championship games, right after the regular season. And it's kind of during that time before bowl games really ramp up. So you have two, two and a half, three weeks to kind of react to all of the news in real time. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame for LSU. We get to talk about it. Marcus Freeman replaces Brian Kelly at, L- at Notre Dame. We get to talk about it. College basketball isn't the same. Obviously, if there's a super marquee job that, that opens up and gets filled, like North Carolina last year with Roy Williams, like Indiana last year with, with uh, Mike Woodson, um, like Louisville this year, yeah, we have plenty of time to talk about it. But most of these jobs, the firings happen kind of during that conference championship week. 
and then the hirings happen during the NCAA tournament. And so because of it, we just don't get a ton of time to react to this stuff in real time. The NCAA tournament obviously overshadows the coaching carousel. And so I felt like now was a good time to go back, first of all, tell you about the jobs that opened, tell you about the guys that filled them, and go ahead and give grades to all of the coaching hires, okay? 13 hires in total at the power conference level, two in the ACC, three in the Big East, one in the Big Ten, one in the Big 12, zero in the Pac-12, six in the SEC, We'll go quick. I'll give you my grade. I'll tell you why I like each of them and why I don't like some of them. Um, and it'll be fun. And it, I think it'll be a good refresher for you who ended up where, maybe some names that you forgot about, some names that you did know, some names that you don't know. And I'll go ahead and give you a grade on all of them. And I think what I'll do is I'll go conference by conference. I think that makes the most sense rather than jumping. This guy gets an A in the Big 12. This guy gets a B plus in the SEC. We'll go conference by conference and go through all 13 hires. And I'll try to make it quick. Because 13 hires is a lot to talk about here over the next few minutes. Let's start in the ACC. Two hires, and really one of them doesn't even really count as a hire because it's John Shire. I am including John Shire at Duke replacing Coach K. We'll get to him in a minute. But let me start with Kenny Payne at Louisville. And if I'm giving Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne I think everybody knows, right? But Kenny Payne, longtime Kentucky assistant, spent the last few years as an assistant coach with the New York Knicks, and now is he's also a former Louisville basketball player. Now he has been named the head coach of Louisville basketball. And so obviously the concern with Kenny Payne is that he's never been a head coach before. And so we're not going to know about the concern, about the X's and O's, about the in-game decision-making, all that stuff. It's going to take a while. We're not going to know that until December, January, February, let alone 2022, 2023, 2024, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. With that said, though, I'd give him about an A to an A minus right now because everything else, he checks every other box. First of all, he united the Louisville fan base, and this is a very fractured fan base, a very frustrated fan base over the last six, seven, eight years, the Rick Pitino stuff off the court, Chris Mack on the court, and so it's funny, I remember even talking to my buddy Nick Coffey on his radio show about three, four weeks ago, and even he said he didn't realize how much Kenny Payne was going to unite the fan base, a former player, won a national championship there, the players all like them, the players all respect him, and so that's the first part of this grade is that because he's an alum and a revered alum, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. He is going to have time to do it his way. He is going to have time to build his staff his way. He's saying that he's taking his sweet time with the staff. Did hire Nolan Smith from Duke. We'll talk about that in a minute. Did hire Danny Manning. But he said, I'm going to be meticulous with my staff. I'm going to be meticulous with my roster. But it starts with the fact that everybody on campus is pretty much behind this one near universally. And so because of that, it just makes it so much easier for success when everybody is going in the same direction. Beyond the fact that he is revered, like I said, first of all, he's knocked out the, the, the hiring process so far on his coaching staff. Gets Nolan Smith, young, kind of super dynamic recruiter from Duke, obviously. His dad it, you know, is kind of from the same area as Kenny Payne, Milt Wagner, all that good stuff. So Nolan Smith comes to Louisville, Danny Manning, former college basketball head coach at Wake Forest at Tulsa, uh, he comes to join Louisville's staff, and so you start to talk about the staff coming together, and now the roster coming together as well. Now right now it's very early, but this is really why we hired Kenny Payne, right? This is why Louisville hired Kenny Payne, this is why we like the hire. I didn't say we as I'm, I'm a Louisville fan, but why we like the hire. The one thing that there's no doubt about with Kenny Payne, He's going to recruit at a really, really high level because he has those long-standing relationships in the grassroots circuit. 
We all get it. We all understand how recruiting works. It's a relationship-based business. And when you're recruiting at Kentucky, you are recruiting the best of the best. Remember, he was an assistant coach at Kentucky for years. And so when he is recruiting at Kentucky, he has access to all sorts of people. He's recruiting at the highest level, and he knows what it takes to get the elite recruits on campus. And so I'm very bullish of what he's going to be able to do in recruiting. I'm very bullish of the fact that he's coming in at the time of the transfer portal, where I believe his network of contacts is going to play an even bigger role than it would have even four, five, six years ago pre-transfer portal. So I love everything about Kenny Payne, united the fan base, great coaching staff. I think he is going to crush it in recruiting. We'll figure out all the in-game stuff later, but this guy, let me put it this way. This time last year, and we're going to talk about Mike Woodson in a few minutes, but this time last year, Mike Woodson crushed it in all the off-the-court stuff, hiring a coaching staff, recruiting, transfer portal, etc. I think Kenny Payne is going to be that guy this year. Staying in the ACC, John Shire. I got to tell you, I got to give this guy an A, A-minus as well. And here's the thing, right? He's never going to be Coach K. There's only one Coach K, greatest coach to ever do it. And I know some of us don't like Coach K. He's the greatest college basketball coach of all time, okay? But at the same time, while we can accept that John Shire is never going to be Coach K, I was worried when he took over. How do you keep that standard of excellence at what the Duke level is? Because remember, at Duke, it's not just about this it's about you have to schedule the biggest games win the biggest games recruit the best players um, be the biggest brand in college basketball that is a lot for a 33 34 year head coach and much like Kenny Payne we're going to learn about all the X's and O's on the court stuff down the road but off the court he's doing about as well as you possibly can okay Um, I I talked about this the other day there is a legitimate argument to be made you're going to laugh at me there is a legitimate argument to be made that recruiting has picked up since Coach K left and retired as Duke's head coach. In total, Duke, of course, the number one recruiting class in 2022. They have four of the top 13 players committed to play at Duke this coming year. And then, oh, by the way, 2023, they're basically done recruiting 2023 as well. They have five of the top 30 players committed, five five stars in some recruiting rankings, no worse than four five stars. This is in the 2023 class, guys that are juniors going into their senior years. So John Shire is going to, before he ever coaches a game, essentially sign back-to-back number one classes. That won't become official till November, but he is cleaning up and recruiting. We're going to see what he does off the court, but or on the court, excuse me, but off the court, it can't get much better than this. Let's go to the Big East. Three coaching hires in the Big East. And let's start with the one that I think it's hard to argue is the best, and that's Sean Miller at Xavier. I would go ahead and give that about an A-. And look, I've obviously talked a ton of Sean Miller on this show. We had him on the show for 45 minutes. He talked about everything that happened at Arizona, the positives, the negatives, this, that. So the only reason that I can't give Sean Miller an A to an A+, is because there are still looming NCAA things going on at Arizona, and there's a chance, and he talked about it on this show, I'm not you know, sharing you know, secrets here, that he's going to get suspended for his role in the Arizona NCAA investigation. At the same time, if you read the report, it's pretty conclusive that Sean Miller is really only found guilty of you know, failure to monitor. In other words, he is guilty of not monitoring his assistant coaches strongly enough And I'll tell you this, I don't think Xavier or anyone else hires him unless they do a thorough background and feel like he is not getting a massive, massive, massive either suspension or show cause. So if we're to assume that at worst, Sean Miller gets six games, Xavier just went out and hired probably the most accomplished on-the-court coach 
that is going that was hired this coaching cycle. We know Kenny Payne can recruit. We know John Shire can recruit. We know Sean Miller can recruit, and we know he wins a lot of games as well. And I've talked about it before. I understand the frustration from Arizona fans that he never made a Final Four, but this guy, in his time at both Arizona and previously at Xavier, four Elite Eights, seven Sweet Sixteens. I was at one of those Elite Eight games. It was a one-point loss in overtime. He lost to UConn, my alma mater, in the 2011 Elite Eight against Kemba Walker by one point. And so I bring it up to say there's all this talk. Oh, Sean Miller never made a Final Four. He made four Elite Eights, two of them he lost by one point, one in overtime. And so, like, he was a play or two away from getting Arizona to at least one Final Four, if not multiple ones. So you talk about the success that he had. By the way, here's a crazy – you want a crazy stat on Sean Miller. In terms of the Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-12, he is the th- he has the third highest winning percentage in the history of the conference behind only John Wooden and Lute Olson. The guy can coach. The guy knows X's and O's. It'll be interesting to see him go back to Xavier where he had success. Obviously, they're now in the Big East. I will say the Big East is a tougher conference overall than the Pac-12 ever was when he was in there. So that'll be curious and that'll be interesting. But this guy's a great cro- coach. He's a dogged recruiter. I think he's going to have success. I don't know what success is at Xavier. I don't know if that's, you know, Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteens, but we saw a few years ago. Chris Mack got him to a number one seed. They've made multiple Elite Eights under multiple different coaches, including not only Sean Miller, but a guy I'm going to talk about in a minute. And so I bring it up to say, I got to give Sean Miller an A to an A minus as well, because he is the most accomplished coach that got hired. Xavier knocked it out of the park. Second coach in the Big East that got hired. Sounds familiar. You might know his name. Shaheen Holloway at Saint, from St. Peter's to Seton Hall. I'll go ahead and give that one a B plus and for a few reasons. Look, this guy was obviously, it goes without saying, he was in terms of coaching the breakout star of this NCAA tournament. And what's so cool is, you know you're getting old. I remember Shaheen Holloway in the McDonald's All-American game, and I think it was 96 playing with Kobe Bryant. It was, it's, it's crazy to see it come full circle, and I still remember that game vividly because that was the days before YouTube, before Rivals.com, before Scout, before 24-7. You want to watch high school basketball players, you had one chance, it was the McDonald's All-American game. I remember Shaheen Holloway playing. And so I only bring it up because to see him come full circle and be the breakout star of the NCAA tournament, like that's awesome, and I am so, so, so excited to see Uh, him at the now high major level. He played at Seton Hall. I can't wait to see what he does as the head coach at Seton Hall, uh, where he's obviously going to have a bigger stage, be able to recruit a better caliber of player. The only reason I can't rank him higher is for a few reasons. One, if you look at the track record before this year, he was a very good coach, but 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 he wasn't elite by any stretch. 10 and 22 in year 1, 18 and 12 in year 2, 14 11 during COVID in year 3. This year finished second in the league behind Rick Pitino and Iona before he gets into the NCAA tournament and makes an elite 8. So, I have to be fair because it's kind of one of those deals, right, where, you know, if Kentucky makes a few more shots and knocks him out in round 1, I'm not talking about him as an A or an A+. Um And so I have to be fair. I think he's going to be awesome at Seton Hall. But I think the other thing about Seton Hall that we also have to consider that I think is kind of interesting, I don't think their history is as good as you think it is. And so the idea, this guy just made an Elite Eight at St. Peter's. History tells us, I don't know if he's going to make an Elite Eight at Seton Hall, okay? This is kind of mind-blowing. Seton Hall, Kevin Willard just left. We're going to talk about him in a minute. He left for Maryland. He was there 12 years. He made one, he, he, excuse me, he won one NCAA tournament game in 12 years. Now, it took him four or five years to get it going, but he made multiple NCAA tournaments, 
one NCAA tournament win. Seton Hall has not been to the Sweet 16 since 2000. They have not made the Elite Eight since 1991. And so this idea that just because Shaheen Holloway had a great run at St. Peter's that it's going to be consistent like that at Seton Hall, history just doesn't say it's going to. I do think he's going to crush in recruiting. I think he's going to crush in Jersey. Kids obviously love playing for him. But I can't give him more than about a B-plus because Seton Hall is just a really tough place to win. We're going to talk about it a little bit with Kevin Willard in a minute. But I love the hire. It was the only guy that Seton Hall could potentially hire. They got the guy that they wanted. They got the guy that the fan base wanted. They got a guy that is going to knock it out of the park there. Final hire in the Big East. This one may have slipped through the cracks because I think it happened Final Four weekend. Butler waited until April 1st to fire their head coach, Laval Jordan, so they could save buyout money. And then they went and, went and got a familiar name. His name's Thad Mata. And so Thad Mata's kind of in that Sean Miller mold of he previously coached not only, he coached at Xavier too actually, but he coached at Butler for one year. Um, and he has ties to the program and now he is returning. And he has, he's kind of like Sean Miller. And you just talk about the most accomplished coaches that have uh, got hired this year. Doesn't get much more accomplished than Thad Mata. Two Final Fours, including a national championship game appearance in 2007, Four Elite Eights in his career, six Sweet Sixteens. That's an that's a ton of accomplishment. And so, if we're strictly talking about Thad Mata's on the court accomplishments, I mean, he's right up there with Sean Miller. He's right up there with any of these guys that got hired in terms of the most accomplished. Now, my big concern is he left Ohio State because of health issues, and everybody that knows him says that they're better, but you just don't know. And you just don't know what the wear and tear of being a full-time head coach, of being on planes, of being on buses, of traveling all across the country. You don't know what it's going to do to him. But what I would also say is, so far so good with Thad Mata. First of all, I think he's a little bit younger than people realize. Uh, he's only 54 years old, which, you know, he's not a spring chicken. But you would feel like he's much older considering that he spent, you know, 13 years at Ohio State. He got the Ohio State job in 2004. My math isn't great there, but that's about 37 years old when he got that job. And so I just bring it up to say that he's younger than, than, than we think, and if he can stay healthy, he could have a good 10, 12 years on the sideline at Butler. The other thing I do like about Thad Mata, you know, I have the concerns with the health, but I also like he seems to be embracing the transfer portal and the new world of college basketball. It's really interesting. A lot of these guys that have been out for a while, I worry about them when they come back in. But one, he was around the Indiana program last year, kind of in an advisory role for Mike Woodson. But then two, uh, I just wondered, what is it going to be like when he gets back into this sport, when the sport is so much different than it was when he left it a few years ago? Well, he seems to be embracing it. Butler has had a bunch of kids on campus. They've already gotten a commitment or two out of the portal. Uh, he seems to be embracing it. So the health is obviously a factor. But other than that, I would say I really like the hire. I give it a B just because I just don't know how long health-wise he can hold up. Let's go to the Big Ten. As I just told you a minute ago, Seton Hall, of course, uh, uh, opened and, and hired Shaheen Holloway. That's because Kevin Willard went to Maryland. And I'll give this hire about a B-plus for this reason. First of all, on the plus side, Maryland was really the only school that is a power conference job that went out and got a sitting head coach from another power conference school. And so I give Maryland credit. They were the first job to open. Mark Turgeon resigned uh, you know, late November, early December. I forget exactly when it was. And they said, we believe we're a premier job. We are going to get the guy that proves it. And they were really the only ones that went out and got an established head coach in Kevin Willard. As I said, he spent 12 years at St. Uh, Seton Hall. He did make, uh, it's kind of crazy, in his final seven seasons. So first five, it takes him a while to get going. Final seven seasons, 
five NCAA tournaments, and of course, one of the years that he you know, that he wasn't in the NCAA tournament was 2020. That was by far his best team. Miles Powell, first team All-American. That was a team that was good enough to go to the Final Four. And so why I like this hire a lot is this guy at Seton Hall, again, a job that's not easy to win at. I've talked to some people in the Big East. They're like, Aaron, if you've never been to the campus, the campus isn't that great. They play in Newark. You know, it's kind of this weird thing where we think because they play in a big NBA arena, that this, that, the other thing. And I've talked to people, they're like, if a kid grows up in the Northeast, you know, UConn's obviously a better school with a great campus. If you're going to stay in the New York, New Jersey area, you go to St. John's, you can play in Madison Square Garden. Seton Hall is a tough place to win, and Kevin Willard did a really good job there. And so now you go to a school like Maryland with more, more resources. Uh, the facilities aren't great, but they're, they're working on them. And then, oh, by the way, the recruiting you know, area that Kevin Willard is in, he has a chance to be really good. My only concern, the reason I can't put him higher, is what I said a minute ago. He only won one NCAA tournament game in 12 years at Seton Hall. And I don't blame him. I think it's a tough job. But never forget, Mark Turgeon, during his time at Maryland, he won at least one game in four tournaments. He won about six, seven games in the NCAA tournament, and that wasn't enough. They forced him out. And so with Kevin Willard, I think it's a better job, but he is going to have to win in the tournament to appease this fan base. Still, I give it about a B plus, A minus, because I really, really like the hire. Big 12, uh, only job opening there. Jerome Tang, uh, the longtime Baylor assistant, takes over at Kansas State. I give this one a B plus because this one's all over the place, okay? One, Kansas State, I think it was time for change. Bruce Weber, if you remember, final game, he gets knocked out of the Big 12 tournament. He actually resigned a day later, but he does this big spiel about, I did it the right way, this is what I won, this is what I this, this is what I that. But the bottom line was it seemed as though the fan base was ready for something new. A lot of empty seats, a lot of empty arenas. Um, And so now Jerome Tang gets to take over as the longtime Baylor assistant. And what I would say is this is a guy that is really, really well respected in the industry. I don't know him personally, but was a 20-plus year assistant at Baylor. He was there from the bottom straight through multiple Elite Eights before they, of course, won a national championship two years ago. And so I think it'll be good to get fresh blood. He seems to be well-connected. They have a couple big-time transfers that are going to be taking visits to campus, including um, Antoine Davis, the kid from, from Detroit. And so I bring it up to say, like, like, I think this is going to be a really, really good hire. My problem that's concerning is two things. One, Kansas State's a really hard job. Like, like I think because Frank Martin had success and then because Bruce Weber had success, we think, oh, anybody could win at Kansas State. It's a really hard job in a conference that even as the, the conference evolves – Texas, Oklahoma leaving for the SEC, that basketball league is going to be brutal. Kansas is still there. Baylor's still there. Texas Tech is still there. TCU's emerging. Oh, by the way, now Houston is coming into that league. Cincinnati is coming into that league. And so it's going to be a really, really tough place to win. And then the other thing, I'll just be honest, Jerome Tang didn't do this. It's the media. But they're trying to package him as the hot longtime assistant that is getting a, a, a shot, and they're trying to compare him to Tommy Lloyd last year, who, of course, was the Arizona head coach. I don't like that for this reason. Tommy Lloyd inherited a great roster from Sean Miller. Now, Tommy Lloyd did an incredible job of taking that roster to the next level, getting them a number one seed, but to compare him to Tommy Lloyd, who inherited a roster that is going to have two first-round picks, Kansas State probably has the least talented roster in the Big 12. So I'm excited for Jerome Tang. I give him a B to a B plus just because I, I think he's inheriting a really tough situation, and to compare him to Tommy Lloyd doesn't make sense. Six jobs. Let's get to the SEC. Six jobs in the SEC, and I will try to be quick because I talked about the SEC last week, and obviously this segment is going a little bit long as it is. 
But first of all, in terms of the SEC, six jobs opened up really quickly. I'll grade them in a second, but to reiterate, Mississippi State, they hired the New Mexico State head coach Chris Jans. Missouri hired Cleveland State head coach Dennis Gates. Florida hired Todd Golden, the head coach at San Francisco. Matt McMahon, the Murray State head coach, friend of the Aaron Torres pod, goes to LSU. Lamont Paris, the former Chattanooga head coach, goes to South Carolina. And Mike White, former Florida coach, goes to Georgia. Let's grade them really quick. First of all, the hire that I like the most, and this isn't about who is going to have the most success, but who is going to have the most success relative to expectations? I actually think it's Chris Jans, the head coach that went from New Mexico State to, to Mississippi State and is now taking over there. I'll tell you this. I really, really, really like this hire. Okay, so Chris Jans, I don't want to call it a checkered background, but he had a situation off the court at uh, – uh, he was at Bowling Green where he was let go. Uh, then he goes to New Mexico State and just crushes it. And New Mexico State for their conference is a great job. But listen to these records overall. 28 and 6, 30 and 5, 25 and 6, 12 and 8 during the COVID year, 27 and 7 this year, including a first round upset of UConn in the NCAA tournament. But why I like him is pretty straightforward. Mississippi State's a different deal. Mississippi State, you can't expect to just recruit the players that Kentucky's recruiting and recruit the players that Arkansas is recruiting and recruit the players that Tennessee is recruiting. It's a different job. You have to have a different kind of head coach. And I think Chris Jans knows the kinds of players that he's got to recruit to Mississippi State. He has a background in JUCO. At New Mexico State, he took a lot of transfers. And those are the kind of guys that you have to win with. And he has a very defined style of play that worked for him at Mississippi State. And so I love this hire because I think this is the right hire at the right time for the right school. Ben Howland, I don't think ever really had a plan. He's recruiting five stars. He's recruiting transfers. What's the deal? This guy has a plan. This guy's going to have success. Number two uh, on the list, I would give Dennis Gates from Missouri also an A. This was the guy that was at Cleveland State. Uh, obviously, I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but three years at Cleveland State, wins coach of the year in his first year at Cleveland State. Second year, he makes the NCAA tournament. This year, they win the regular season, but lose in the conference tournament. And why I like this guy is pretty straightforward. First of all, he kind of gets the social media aspect of the job. Uh, they've taken a bunch of transfers already, and every single time he's tweeting out gifts, and he's tweeting out this, he's tweeting out that. And I just feel like Missouri, kind of like Arkansas the last few years before Coach Musselman, before Eric Musselman got there, they just need a guy with a little juice. They need a guy with a little pizzazz, and that is who Dennis Gates is. And so I am truly, truly excited to see him because I think he gets what it takes to compete in the SEC. I said it a few weeks ago, but he was a longtime Florida State assistant. He's recruited the South. He's recruited the Southeast. He's recruited Atlanta. He's recruited Florida. He's recruited in the SEC footprint, even if he wasn't technically in the SEC. And so now he is in the SEC. He has the Midwest ties as well from his time at Cleveland State. And I just think he gets kind of the social media aspect of it. I think he gets the recruiting aspect of it. And he's a great coach, too. 20-11 and 11 this year, like I said, made the NCAA tournament last year. I give Dennis Gates an A for his job there. I'll tell you this guy, I've kind of flipped on a little bit. Todd Golden, the new head coach at Florida. I'll go ahead and give him in this hire a B plus. okay? So when this hire first happened, I said, I don't like it. He's 36 years old, inherited a good program at San Francisco, very analytics-based, I don't know if he's going to make it in the SEC. Well, I still don't know if he's going to make it in the SEC, but I didn't know if he was going to make it in the SEC because I didn't know if he was going to recruit the kind of players that you have to recruit to win in the SEC. And so why do I bring it up? It is because of the fact 
that he's crushed it in the portal so far. They've signed three guys out of the portal. Uh, but First of all, they got their best player, Colin Castleton, back. But they signed this kid, Alex Fudge, from LSU, who I think is really good. They signed Will Richard, a kid from Belmont, who's really good. And they signed a guard from VMI on Monday. And so Todd Golden, all of a sudden, he went from the analytics nerd a, 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 few, a few weeks ago. I was calling him the analytics nerd. Now, I was telling my buddy Zach Kroll, who's come on this show before, now I'm calling Todd Golden Young Sheldon Boy Genius, like the TV show Young Sheldon, because this guy, he came to the SEC and right away has had immediate success in the portal. So I am excited. He's still, the analytics are great, but you need players, right? Nate Oates is an analytics guy, but he had great players. He had Herb Jones last year, who's an awesome NBA player, won SEC Player of the Year. You need something besides the analytics, but I do like Todd Golden. I give him a B plus. My boy Young Sheldon, Todd Golden. Next up, Matt McMahon, LSU. Give him a solid B. Listen, I've already talked a ton about Matt McMahon. I don't need to belabor the point. Inherited a basically impossible situation with Will Wade, uh, but Will Wade also left him a ton of talent, and he wasn't able to keep most of that talent on the roster. As I mentioned, uh, Alex Fudge committed to to Florida. Brandon Murray, all-SEC freshman team, committed to Georgetown. Eric Gaines, really good guard, committed to UAB. Xavier Pinson, as I record, is still in the portal, has not committed, although he could commit any second by the time you listen to this. I believe he's down to uh, Xavier and Mississippi State. And so I bring it up because I like Mac McMahon, but at the same time, he did, uh, he did inherit a lot of talent. He wasn't able to keep it. To his credit, he has had some success in the portal to this point. Um, but it's going to be wait and see, and it's going to be wait and see, and the other thing I would say, it's going to be really hard because there are some sort of NCA sanctions coming, and so this guy is a guy that is about culture, it's about building it from the ground up, he did it at Murray State, I just think it's going to be really hard to do in the SEC uh, in a situation where you are up against major NCA sanctions. Lamont, Lamont Paris, new head coach at South Carolina, two left, we'll get out of here, we'll take a quick break because this segment's going on all. Lamont Paris, South Carolina, I give him a solid B. You know, listen, this guy, another really tough job. You look at South Carolina historically, they've never really been great at any point in their program's history for any extended period of time. So this is a hard job. This is a job, by the way, where he was at best their third choice. They went really hard after Sean Miller. Sean Miller ends up taking the Xavier job. They went really hard after Matt McMahon. Matt McMahon takes the LSU job. They end up with Lamont Paris, who I think was really good. The thing that I like about him he was really aggressive in building Chattanooga, a team that made the NCAA tournament this year. He built them through the portal, okay? Well, guess what? That's what you got to do in the SEC, so we'll see what he, what he does. As I record here, he really hasn't done all that much in the portal yet, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Finally, final coach in the power conferences that got hired this offseason, Mike White, goes from, Georgia, goes from Florida to Georgia. At best, I can give this a B minus. To me, it's really a C plus, and here's why. On the one hand, I, I, I get the positives of Mike White. We'll talk about it in a second. But a couple things with Georgia. First of all, they were the first team to fire their head coach at the power conference level outside of Louisville and Maryland. They fired their head coach to get a jump start on the rest of the coaching carousel to get a head start. Yet they ended up with a guy that Florida fans could not push out the door fast enough. And so I can't get excited about a hire that the fan base isn't excited about, and that the fan base who lost the head coach is thrilled that he's gone. That's why I can't get behind it. Now, I do understand the other perspective, which is Mike White basically made the NCAA tournament essentially every year at Florida. And if you can do that at Georgia, you can have a ton of success. You can get a statue built there because nobody has ever made the tournament year in and year out at Georgia. 
I'm just not sold that he can do it because he inherited a but a much better situation at Florida, never really got them over the hump except when Billy Donovan's players were there. And so because of it, I give him a C. Those are all your major coaching hires. I'm not going to go through all of them again. But again, two in the ACC, Kenny Payne and John Shire, Louisville and Duke respectively. Three in the Big East, Sean Miller at Xavier. Uh, Shaheen Holloway, formerly of St. Peter's at Seton Hall. Thad Mata is back at Butler. In the Big Ten, Maryland, Kevin Willard. Uh, Big 12, Jerome Tang at Kansas State. And then the six in the SEC, Christians, Dennis Gates, Todd Golden, Matt McMahon, Lamont Paris, Mike White. By the way, two other noteworthy uh, A-10 hires. How about the Atlantic 10? Frank Martin, the Intimidator. They call Dale, Dale Earnhardt the Intimidator? No, no, no. Frank Martin's the Intimidator. He is at UMass and friend of the Aaron Torres podcast. We'll get him on at some point. Archie Miller is the head coach at Rhode Island. I like both of those hires pretty well. All right, so what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. We're going to come back, do a quick transfer portal segment. It's going to be like eight to ten minutes because I wanted to get to where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. But we'll hit on some of the big news and notes of the transfer portal. I'll be back in a minute. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, it's time to welcome back our favorite sponsor and your ladies' favorite sponsor. Yeah, I'm talking about Manscaped, the worldwide leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Fellas, have you started your spring cleaning yet? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Again, fellas, don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. And Manscaped has the best tools to get that lawn cleaned up. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the 4 million other men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. Use promo code TORRES for 20% off plus free shipping. And as I always say, ladies, that 20% off plus free shipping if you use the promo code TORRES, well, I'll tell you what, that works for you too. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year, the Performance Package 4.0. It's the only tool set you need to keep your boys looking and smelling fresh like daisies this spring. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, designed to get those tough-to-reach places, plus it's waterproofed, equipped with an LED light. You can bring it in the shower. You don't leave hair on the floor. Fellas, trust me, you're going to need that Lawnmower 4.0, which is part of the Performance Package 4.0. Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, proprietary skin-safe technology, all those little holes, they got you got to keep them clean, safe, no nicks, no cuts. The Weed Whacker, nose and ear hair trimmer. Crop Preserver and Crop, crop, preserver and crop Reviver, Ball Deodorant and Toner, that's also part of the, the Performance Package 4.0. Fellas, you'll never look better. You'll never smell better down there. And ladies, you'll never be happier. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0. This is a razor for your face because let's be honest, there is nothing more disgusting than using a razor on your face that you've been using in other parts of your body. And I will say this, on one very serious note, remember, April is also Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to men's health and early cancer detection. Very serious topic. Manscaped takes it very seriously, and Manscaped wants you to know uh, they are doing everything they can to work with the Testicular Cancer Society uh, to eradicate testicular cancer. So, fellas, remember, if you want to look fresh downstairs, if you want to smell fresh downstairs, if you want to be fresh downstairs, manscaped.com. Use promo code Torres. Fellas, ladies, manscaped.com, promo code Torres. Your balls will thank you. I will thank you. Now let's get back to the show. 
All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, thank you again to our partners, Manscaped, manscaped.com. Promo code TORRES, 20% off plus free shipping. Use promo code TORRES. Uh, thank you again to Manscaped. Let's switch gears, though. And, you know, listen, I, I say it every episode, but it's always worth reiterating. April has become such a crazy time in college basketball in terms of roster turnover. I call it roster turnover season, roster management season, whatever. Uh, because, you know, listen, I think there's this perception for the people that don't love the sport like everybody that listens to this show does um, that the season ends in March and then you don't think about it again until November. And April is such a busy month for roster management, roster turnover, all that stuff that it feels like every episode, I just got to get you a little bit of an update of what's going on in terms of the big stories, whether it's from the portal, whether it's from NBA draft declarations, whatever. Uh, and today, I, I think there's really only a couple to hit on. Obviously, I did one of these on Friday, kind of a, 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 a transfer portal kind of update on Friday. So what I want to do is I want to hit on a couple stories, three stories really, and they hit on a bunch of different stuff. One, we had a really marquee player enter the transfer portal, not named Imani Bates, on Monday. I'm going to tell you about that. We'll talk about one marquee commitment. And then, oh, about how about this? There are still a few elite high school players that are available, and one of them committed earlier this week to guess who? My boy, Mike F. Woodson. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but really quickly, let's get into it. And let's start with the portal and the comings and goings of the portal. And I'll start by saying this. Uh, there have been... Last, Friday, or last Friday's episode, we did a portal update, like I just said, 30 seconds ago. And since then, I think really a couple marquee, a couple marquee guys have entered the portal, right? So first of all, you had Imani Bates. We talked about him plenty on Monday's show. We'll talk a little bit about him and where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong here in a minute. Um, on top of that, Yuri Collins, who actually led college basketball in assists this year at St. Louis, he's in the portal. But there was a really, really good player that entered the portal on Monday that deserves to be talked about, and his name is Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State. And I think he's really interesting because, one, he's a really good player, and I do think, two, he brought up some really interesting talking points. The best and worst of the benefits and drawbacks of the transfer portal all kind of came to fruition when he entered the portal. So first of all, let me tell you a little bit about him. Really, really, really good player. Was the Big 12 freshman of the year this past season at Iowa State. Average 11 points and five assists per game. And I know on the surface, 11 points, five assists, that doesn't sound great. But again, freshman, um, first of all, lightly recruited guy, was recruited by the previous staff, stays with TJ Otzelberger. But you think 11 and five doesn't jump out to you. But at the same time, think about this. He was a freshman. Never forget, Iowa State actually made the Sweet 16. And it's also worth noting that he did it in the best conference in college basketball with the best defensive teams in college basketball. Think about being a freshman point guard in the Big 12 when you have to go against Bill Self in Kansas and the guys that they had on that roster. Baylor, Scott Drew, Texas. We could criticize Chris Beard because the win-loss record wasn't great, but they played real defense. Texas Tech was one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. TCU was one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. So for a freshman point guard to average 11-5 in that league is incredible. And like I said with Iowa State, once they got into the tournament, they did damage. Beat uh, LSU in the opening round, beat Wisconsin in Wisconsin to advance to the Sweet 16. And so this guy decides to enter the portal. And what I'll say is this. I think he's actually the best player in the portal right now. I do my top 25 players in the portal rankings. I update it near daily. This is the number one player in the portal right now. When you can average 11.5 points, five assists in the Big 12 as a freshman, you can play anywhere in college basketball. I don't know if he can start anywhere because there's some good point guards coming back, 
but the number of schools that will be interested in him is going to be through the roof astronomical. What I would also say is, first of all, we're going to follow his recruitment closely, but what I would also say was what I just said a minute ago. His recruitment brought out the best and worst of all the conversations about the transfer portal, and I do think it's interesting. I always try to look at both sides on an issue, and I do think it's worth discussing really quick because it became a very hot-button issue on social media. On the one hand, you guys and girls, you know where I stand on the transfer stuff. I'm over it. I don't like talking about it. This is the new world. Everybody is going to be able to transfer at least once. Increasingly, it looks like, by the way, they're not really going to stop people from transferring a second, third, fourth time and make them sit out. So this is just the new world that we live in. What I would also say is that Tyrese Hunter might be the best example yet of how frustrating it can be to be a college basketball coach in 2021-2022. and the downside of all this, right? And, and I know nobody feels bad for these coaches that make two, three, four million dollars a year. But remember, it's not just the head coaches that make a lot of money. It, it, it's not just the head coaches who are impacted by this. It's assistant coaches. It's ops guys that are making thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars a year. It's the mid-major coaches that are now losing their best players to the high-major schools. And it's a really tough way to live. And I think Tyrese Hunter is the best example of this. Because when you actually look at the portal this year, if you look at it, it's mostly guys that to be blunt, you understand why they transferred, right? Sometimes it's a case like LSU. They had a bunch of guys transfer. We just talked about it in the previous segment. But they had a bunch of guys transfer because those guys committed to play for Will Wade. Will Wade gets fired, and they want to look at their options. That makes perfect sense. Um, you know, Murray State, Matt McMahon leaves. A bunch of their players decide to hit the portal and see what else is out there. You go across the list. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. But there are perfectly logical reasons for kids to want to transfer. The coach that you brought in, the coach that brought you in leaves. Oh, by the way, maybe your role isn't what you thought it was. So UConn lost four players in the portal this offseason. They were all back, back end of the bench guys. They wanted more playing time. I get it. Where people are frustrated and where you can see where a problem could come in is with a case like Tyrese Hunter. Think about Tyrese Hunter, and I'm not blaming him, and he's a bad kid, and he ruined everything. And No. He is a kid who made a decision that I thought was best for him, that, that thought was best for him, but I can understand the frustration from the people that are not in favor of the one-time transfer rule with this decision, and here's why. This isn't a kid whose coach got fired. This isn't a kid who wasn't playing at all. This was a kid that, as a freshman in the best conference in college basketball, a coach put the ball in his hands and said, go make plays. We trust you. We believe in you. Go do what you do. This was a kid that in the best conference in college basketball, on a Sweet 16 team, was second on the team in scoring and second on the team in minutes played. And so when you're sitting there and you're TJ Otzelberger, the Iowa State head coach, you're sitting there saying, what else could I do for this kid? And he still hits the portal. And this is the downside of the portal is that it seems clear, and I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but it seems clear that one of two things happened. Either somebody just flat out tampered with him and said, come here, come there, come this. You don't want to stay at Iowa State. You're too big of a star for Iowa State. Or there was some kind of NIL offer that he simply couldn't turn down. And this is the downside. I get why kids want to hit the portal. I get why kids, when a coach gets fired or they're not playing or they don't like their role or this or that, the other thing. But when you're the second leading scorer, second most minutes on a Sweet 16 team as a freshman, the ball is in your hands and you decide to leave, that's the downside, and I think that's where people are concerned with where this is going in college sports. I saw Lane Kiffin say this on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Lane Kiffin seems to have a media availability every week. But what he said is where we're trending is the combination of the transfer stuff with the NIL stuff. 
We're going to have kids that are really good that are just going to go into the portal just to see what kind of NIL offers they could get. And so I know a lot of you are Kentucky fans. I know a lot of you are whatever, Tennessee fans, Arkansas fans, UCLA fans, whatever. But imagine being an Iowa State fan today. And I know what you say, oh, well, Iowa State will find their guy and they'll go in the portal and get somebody else's guy. But imagine being an Iowa State fan right now, freshman, basically a freshman All-American, decides to leave for another school. And that's where I'm concerned that this is going. Are all of these schools, the mid-majors, the low-high majors, so the, the schools that aren't Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, and Kansas, is everything going to be a feeder system to them? Because that's a scary thing for the world of college basketball and the world of college sports in general. And you may say, you don't care, I'm a Kentucky fan, I don't care, they'll find their guy. Well, imagine if Oscar Shibway decided to come back to college basketball this year and Duke offered him an NIL deal that he couldn't refuse and he left to go to Duke. You'd be going crazy. Same if you're an Arkansas fan. Jalen Williams decides to remove his name from the draft. Oh, North Carolina offers him an NIL deal that he can't turn down and he bounces. You'd be going crazy. And so to me, this idea that while we understand why the transfer portal is in place, we understand the NIL is a good thing, we're starting to move towards a place here the mid-major schools can't hold on to their best players. That's already established. You're a mid-major. you got a star. The chances of you keeping him for as long as you plan on keeping him are not very good. Now we live in a world where the best, where, the, where other high majors are taking players from other high majors. It's just a crazy world, and I understand the frustration. I wish Tyrese Hunter luck at his next stop. I think it could be really exciting to see him at a North Carolina, a, a Kansas, or wherever he goes. But I understand the frustration with him. Uh, but that was the big transfer of the week. I just thought, like I said, it brought out the best and worst in a lot of people, and it's justifiable. I understand it. So uh, I just wanted to talk about that really quick because it was a big talking point in college hoops. Uh, kind of staying on the subject, there was one big commitment since the last time that we spoke. That was Andre Curbelo, the former Illinois guard, committing to St. John's. And I, I'll just say this. I, I'll be quick. I love, 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 love this fit in this hire. For people who don't know, Andre Curbelo, is, he's originally from Puerto Rico, but he played his high school ball in the New York City area. Really flashy point guard, had a great freshman year two years ago at Illinois. Nine points, four rebounds, four assists per game for that Illinois team that was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. This year he comes back. I thought the hype was a little bit too much. Um, and Andre Curbelo really struggles. He dealt with an injury. He dealt with a concussion. He was never the same. He decides to leave Illinois. Um, and I don't know if it's going to work at St. John's, and I don't know if it's not. But I'm old enough to remember St. John's being really good and awesome and how fun it was when Madison Square Garden was rocking and bumping and going crazy and people were there to see the Johnnies and not whoever they're playing, whether it's UConn, whether it's uh, Georgetown, whether it's Syracuse, whether it's somebody else from an out-of-conference, a Duke or whatever, and I know Syracuse is an out-of-conference team. I'm old enough to remember St. John's being awesome, and I think it would be great for college basketball if they remain awesome, and I hope Andre Curbelo can bring a little bit of that flair. Now, I understand he's got his limitations. I understand he turns the ball over too much, but he is the exact kind of player, marketable, from New York City, big fan base, people know him, that I think could make that St. John's team really interesting, and I think it's good for college basketball. If it's interesting, I'm excited to see how it goes there. Final note from this week. Uh, and I did a big YouTube video on this, so if you want more on this, I encourage you to go check it out. But there are really about two to three elite high school players that coming into this week were still available that could really be difference makers if they ended, you know, depending on where they committed to play college basketball next year. Well, on Monday, one of them committed. 
His name's Malik Renault, six foot eight, six foot nine forward, Montverde Academy in Florida. Was committed to Florida, and Mike White, who we just talked about, Mike White left Georgia, left Florida for Georgia. This kid opens his recruitment. And on Monday, drum roll please, Malik Renault, 6'8 forward, originally committed to Florida, five-star kid. He commits to who else? Mike Effin Woodson and Indiana, baby, that's right. And so, again, I, I, I spent a ton of time on YouTube talking about this. You can check out the full segment if you want. This is huge for a couple different reasons. One, credit Mike Woodson, man. And we're going to talk about it and where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. This was a guy that I was genuinely concerned about. I, I, I thought Mike Woodson might be able to figure out the college basketball thing in terms of the X's and O's. I did not think he was going to be able to figure out the recruiting. And it said this guy's crushing recruiting. This time last year, there was a five-star available named Tamar Bates. He went out and got him. He has a five-star committed in the 2022 class this year, Jalen hood Shafino, who is a McDonald's All-American, now a second five-star top 30 player in the class of 2022, Malik Renault has committed to Indiana. And in terms of why I like this, this, this fit, first of all, he's a really good player, but you look at all the other pieces at, back at Indiana, this is going to be a really talented team coming into this year. Xavier Johnson, point guard, I thought he was great over the last two, two and a half, uh, three weeks of the season. He basically willed them into the NCAA tournament in that Big Ten tournament performance. He almost single-handedly beat Michigan in that crazy comeback. They make the NCAA tournament. He plays a big role in the win over Wyoming. They obviously beat the number one seed, Illinois, in the Big Ten tournament as well. Well, as Xavier Johnson's back, Trey Galloway, shooter, is back. Uh, Jordan Geronimo, wing, is back. Race Thompson, big guy down low, is back. Now you're adding two top 30 prospects. I like where this team is at. Oh, by the way, the kid Tamar Bates that I mentioned that was a five-star last year is back as well. The one thing I would add, there's a very good chance that Trace Jackson Davis, their star player, all Big Ten forward from this season, could return as well. He's going through the NBA draft process right now, but the increasing buzz is that he is going to come back and play college basketball next year. And can you imagine if Trace Jackson Davis comes back? First of all, I would say this. The Big Ten appears to be really, really, really down next year. Uh, we're going to get some info on, on Kofi Coburn. Is he coming back? Is he not on Thursday, on Wednesday? But if he doesn't come back, Illinois is going to be way down. Uh, Michigan, I, I'll be curious to see what their guys decide to do. We're not sure on them yet. Michigan State just lost a player to the portal. They've lost a bunch of players really over the last couple weeks. Um, and I don't really know what to make of the Big Ten. Indiana, I believe, is already a top 20 team with the core that they have. If they get back Trace Jackson Davis, that's a top 15, top 10 team, maybe the favorite of the Big Ten. Mike Effin Woodson does it again. I just want to do, I want to take a quick break. I do want to come back, and I want to wrap with one of America's favorite segments, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I will be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back, good to be back, final segment of the show, good to be back, appreciate you guys and girls listening, uh, late April here, we are still rocking and rolling, a lot of fun stuff coming up on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, May, June, July, we do not stop, really fun time of year, really enjoy doing this show and I really do appreciate your guys and girls support. With that said, let's wrap with what has quickly become one of America's favorite podcast segments, that's where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. The concept of this segment is pretty straightforward. Yes, I stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And the reason being pretty straightforward. I come on this show three times a week, 
somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour and 15, hour, 20 minutes, and I give you almost exclusively nothing but my opinions. Strong, opinionated, whatever. And sometimes I get those opinions right. And nobody loves bragging about those opinions more than your boy Torres. Just one problem. I also get a lot of stuff wrong. A lot of stuff wrong. And I love taking L. Sometimes you take an L in life. It's okay. It happens. It's part of the deal. And so why we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, I love to brag about what I got right. But I got to hold myself accountable for the stuff I screw up. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do I screw up plenty. So with that said, let's get to today's edition of where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. It's going to be fun. We're going to hit on a lot of different stuff, a lot of stuff that I wouldn't normally hit on. Where Aaron was right. It brings me no great joy to talk about the fact that I have been dead right on Amani Bates. And if you've been listening to this show forever, and we talked about this on Monday's episode, but it's worth reiterating here, Amani uh, Bates was coming, out, coming up through the high school basketball ranks, considered to be one of the best prospects, 14, 15, 16 years old, freshman, sophomore, in the history of high school basketball. That's fine. It's okay to be well ahead of your peers when you're 14, 15 years old, but at the same time, people in my space started comparing him to LeBron James, the best high school player since LeBron. He plays like Kevin Durant. And I kept saying, I have been following sports forever. Stop putting these labels on these kids. It is not fair to them. They are not ready for it. And very, very rarely do they live up to those expectations and, frankly, those burdens. Well, what happened? Over the last couple of years, it's became, become very clear that while Imani Bates is still a very good basketball player, he is far from Kevin Durant and far from LeBron James and is instead, like many 17, 18-year-olds, a very developmental basketball player kind of fell behind the curve late in his high school career, decides to reclassify. Well, he ends up at Memphis for his freshman year, and this week he announces that he's leaving after averaging nine points per game. Listen, this isn't an anti-Amani Bates thing. This isn't me being proud that I told you that this kid was going to underachieve. What I am telling you is, and what I will continue to say, because guess what, in two years or five years or ten years, we're going to do this with somebody else. It is not fair to high school players to compare them to the best players in the NBA. It is not fair to high school basketball players to compare them to all-time greats. Where Aaron was right was, I told you to pump the brakes on Imani Bates. Now this poor kid, after one year, is leaving Memphis. And the question becomes now, is he going to transfer or is he going to go to a professional outlet? Where Aaron was wrong. How about my boy Mike Effin Woodson? <laughs> and we just talked about Mike Woodson, Malik Renault. I don't want to belabor the point. But I'll tell you, you know, you talk about where Aaron was wrong. I basically spent all April, May, June of last year admitting that I was dead wrong on Mike Woodson. Listen, it was never that I thought that he couldn't be a good college basketball coach because, look, this was a guy that took the freaking Knicks to the playoffs as an NBA head coach. My concern was always recruiting. He was a guy that had been away from college for 40-plus years. He was a guy that was coming into college basketball at a time that was a monumental, game-changing time in college sports. We get the one-time transfer. We get the NIL all coming into play at the same time. And I said at this time last year, I'm not worried about the coaching. I just don't know if this guy's going to want to recruit and do what is necessary to get the best players that, that you need to win at the highest level to get Indiana back to where you want to get them to. And it wasn't necessarily even an anti-Mike Woodson thing. It was a history tells us this is how it's going to work out thing. Patrick Ewing has never wanted to recruit. He just now realized after four years, I got to shake up my coaching staff because I'm not willing to put in the work to get the players here. I got to have a staff that puts me in place to have success with recruiting. Same with Chris Mullen. I'm a UConn alum. Kevin Ali essentially stopped recruiting, <laughs> you know, two or three years into his tenure. 
These guys that have made tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in the NBA, and I know Mike Woodson wasn't that guy, but Mike Woodson made a nice living as an NBA head coach and an NBA assistant coach. Most of those guys don't want to go sit in a gym in Augusta, South Carolina all summer long watching 16-year-olds play high school basketball. And so where Aaron was wrong was Mike Woodson is just cleaning up on the recruiting trail, and we did just talk about it. Malik Renault, the second five-star in this high school class. Jalen hood Shafino, who, of course, is a McDonald's All-American. Malik Renault. This time last year, he went out and got Tamar Bates, and he's done a really good job in the transfer portal adding pieces, including Xavier Johnson, who I think is going to be really good for them next year. He was really good this year as well. So credit Mike Woodson. I was dead wrong on that. Where Aaron was right. If you remember about this time last year, it was actually about a month from now. Uh, It was early June, and I remember it because it was right after Memorial Day weekend. I did a big segment on Kyrie Irving when Kyrie Irving was a member, still is obviously a member of the Brooklyn Nets. He goes to Boston, has a big game, stomps on the court on the way out, and somebody throws a water bottle at him, and it hits him. And if you remember, everybody in the media was going crazy. It's assault. It's this. It's that. And I was like, listen. I'm not saying that you should throw water bottles at players. You should never throw an object onto the court of play, and that's not right. But let's not make Kyrie out to be a victim here, right? And I went through everything that had happened with Kyrie, with the Celtics fans, et cetera, et cetera, and I I understood the frustration of Celtics fans. Well, what happened this past weekend? Kyrie goes back to Boston, and Kyrie, the same way that the fans can't handle their emotions, Kyrie can't either, telling fans to F off, telling flipping fans the bird. And as I record here on Tuesday evening, Kyrie Irving has been fined $50,000 by the NBA for flipping off fans in Boston's arena. Listen, what I would say is a couple things. At the end of the day, I really don't care that Kyrie flipped anybody off. I actually like that he enjoys being the villain, embraces the villain, and he played one of the best games of his career on Sunday in Boston. But what I also told you this time last year was stop making Kyrie out to be a victim. It's okay for two things to be true. It's okay for two things to be true. Fans should have never thrown a bottle at him, but the guy can also be a jerk. And if you go through his history in Boston, it's exactly that. This was a guy that was traded to Boston. This was a guy that essentially quit on the team. This was a guy, by the way, uh, 2018 Eastern Conference Finals, he's hurt, doesn't even show up to Game 7. This is a guy that largely quit on the Celtics the following year before he left for Brooklyn, and this was a guy that prior to the series last year went to the podium and said, I'm not even that excited to go back because the whole city of Boston is racist, okay? And so to me, when you call an entire city of 4 million people a certain thing, when you subject, when you, you know, objectify them, when you say 4 million people are one specific thing, you can't be mad when a couple people get mad at it. So where Aaron was right, I told you Kyrie was a jerk. Boston fans are idiots. But again, I understand their frustration, and I don't think we can make Kyrie out to be a saint, and I think people are finally starting to realize that. Where Aaron was wrong. Let's go to the NFL really quick. Uh, I was dead wrong on Baker Mayfield, and this, this, this story is kind of dragging out here over the course of the offseason, but when Baker Mayfield came to the NFL, I thought that he was exactly what the Cleveland Browns needed, energetic, full of life, confident, fearless, aggressive, you know, he barks, kind of what we were just talking about with Kyrie, barks back at fans, barks back at the media, barks back at teammates, barks back at coaches, but I thought that was the edge that Cleveland needed, like Kyrie didn't mind being a villain, but also, like Kyrie, really took some heat from the media, justifiably so. I thought that was good for Cleveland. I thought that was good for Baker Mayfield, 
as it turns out, I was dead wrong. Because when you look at what has happened here over the last couple weeks, obviously the Browns have moved away from uh, Baker Mayfield. They brought in Deshaun Watson. Cannot blame the Browns for bringing in a quarterback that is clearly superior to Baker Mayfield. But what's also become clear, there doesn't appear to be very much of a market for Baker Mayfield. Because, fa- uh, because other teams don't want to bring in a guy that's an average quarterback who runs his mouth, like I said, barks at the media, barks at coaches, barks at fans. You can get away with that if you're a superstar. You can get away with that if you're a lot of people in the NFL, NBA, college basketball, college football, whatever. You can't get away with it if you're an average to below average starting quarterback. So Baker Mayfield, he did his uh, interview with that podcast last week, uh, and I was just dead wrong on this guy. I thought the emotion was good. I thought the chip on his shoulder was good. I think it's actually hurting him at this point. I think it's hurt him on the field with his struggles on the field, and I think it's really hurting him off the field trying to find a new team. Where Aaron was right. All right, so about, yeah, again, about a year ago, uh, I remember for the first time talking about the transfer portal as it pertained to college football. And if you remember, Henry Toto was a star linebacker at Tennessee, and he, around this time last year, I think I want to say it was early May, commits to Alabama. And I said, this is the first big transfer portal story in college football. You know, really, the the new era, right? I mean, obviously, Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, Joe Burrow. That was a different era when you had to sit out or when you, you could only transfer as a grad transfer. But I said this time last year, I said, With Alabama, this is the first big story of the transfer portal era because Tennessee's best linebacker just committed to Alabama to fill one hole, and then Ohio State's wide receiver, Jamison Williams, who's going to be a first-round pick this year, committed at wide receiver to fill another hole at Alabama. And I said, that is the scariest thing you can imagine if you're a college football fan, that now Nick Saban can evaluate his roster, he can come out of the spring with maybe one to two weaknesses, and he could directly address it in the transfer portal. Well, why do I bring it up? Alabama spring game was on Saturday, and you know who was the best player on the field for the offense? It wasn't Bryce Young because Bryce Young was getting attacked by Will Anderson off the edge. Will Anderson, that star edge rusher, who I think could win the Heisman Trophy this year as a defensive player. Uh, but, it, but it wasn't Bryce Young. It was Jameer Gibbs, a running back, who transferred from Georgia Tech. You know who the best wide receiver was for Alabama at their A-Day game? Jermaine Burton a wide receiver who transferred from Georgia. And oh, by the way, guess what else? Nick Saban, if he believes he has any weaknesses, will address them this offseason through the transfer portal. So I told you at this time last year, I said, we talk about so much transfer portal and what does it mean and this and that and players are leaving Alabama. I said, but it's going to have the exact opposite effect. Nick Saban is going to be able to keep the players that he wants, the guys that are contributing, the guys that are leading him to national championships, and now he can plug a hole or two in the offseason. That is absolutely terrifying. That is what has happened again at Alabama, where the two best players arguably on the field offensively on Saturday were Jameer Gibbs, a transfer running back from Georgia, Jermaine Burton, a transfer wide receiver, or a transfer running back from Georgia Tech, Jermaine Burton, a transfer wide receiver from Georgia. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. Speaking of the transfer portal, speaking of college football, uh, I put out you know what I thought was kind of a tongue-in-cheek tweet on uh, Tuesday afternoon, but a Jai Hall, a wide receiver who just got kicked off of Alabama, um, he just got kicked out of Alabama during spring practice, him and Saban butted heads, Saban said, see ya. We got a crystal ball prediction, and by the time you guys and girls listen to this, he may actually have committed to play for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, Okay. And so I made a joke because earlier in the winter, 
Jaleel Billingsley, a really talented tight end who also basically ran his course with Nick Saban. Saban got tired of him. Uh, Nick Saban throws him out of the program. He ends up at Texas. And so now we're talking about two problem children that could not get along with Nick Saban, that could not live up to the standard that he set. Both decided to go to Texas. And so where Aaron was wrong was, I'm not going to lie, I'm already starting to have concerns about Steve Sarkeesian, and I thought he was a good hire at the time. Now, did I think he was definitively going to be the guy to bring back Texas? I mean, I can't say that because when I look back on, when I look back on the situation uh, at when, when he was hired, I sat there and said, I don't know if anybody can work at Texas, but if anybody can, I do think it's Steve Sarkeesian. Well, he had a disastrous 5-7 and seven season last year. He had players recording stuff on the back of the bus that got out that got leaked to the media. This spring, he had a player basically say that he doesn't believe his teammates are bought in. Then Steve Sarkeesian had to put out that fire. Now he's bringing in two players uh, that, that basically caused all sorts of headaches at Alabama. Nick Saban said, see you later. And so it's not to say that things can't work at Texas. It's not to say that Steve Sarkeesian isn't the guy. But I think he's trending in the wrong direction. And for a guy that has spent the last 12 months talking about the culture at Texas, I don't know that bringing in two guys that couldn't get the job done at Alabama. And I'm not talking about on the field. Talking about off the field. He's now bringing in two guys to that program, and it speaks to maybe where the program is. I understand you want as many good players in your program as possible, but you can't talk about culture on one hand and then bring in a, a bunch of guys from Alabama. And I think there's more than those two, but the Jai Hall thing was the one that stood out to me because he just got thrown out, of, thrown out of Alabama about two weeks ago. You can't talk about culture on one hand and then immediately go out and sign a bunch of guys uh, that, that, you know, that, that, that were problems elsewhere. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aratora Sports Podcast. Fun segment, uh, fun segment, fun show overall. Uh, really good show. I appreciate you guys and girls and your support. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aratora Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music. Wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aratora Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Again, if you have any ideas for the show, feel free to reach out, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. I'll be back on Friday. New episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Have a good week, party people. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.